In this week's parsha, Parshas Nayach, if you look in the Medrash Tanchuma, you know, there are many different Medrashim. You can go to a Medrash Rabbah, there's a Yalkot, there's a Pirka de Belazar, it's a Medrash on Tehillim. But one of the major, major early Medrashim, and the, and the one probably Kemat most quoted by Rashi, after the regular Medrash, is Medrash Tanchuma. He always quotes the Tanchuma. Tanchuma was uh, a pillar of all of the uh, Medrashim. And if you look in the Tanchuma, in Simon Gimel, in this parsha, it's a very strange thing that you're going to find. The first two Simonim, the first two Prakim in the Tanchuma go through a lot of the Medrashim on the Teva and all that went on on the Teva, as you'd expect him to speak about. And then suddenly, Paragimel, he sort of completely goes off course, and he gives a beautiful essay about the Chashivas of Taira, and specifically Taira Shabal Pet, and how HaKadosh Baruch Hu chose us from all of the 70 Umas Ha'ilam, and he gave us the Torah, Bixav, and he left the Torah Shebechsav very cryptic and very mysterious, so that you need a Torah Shebechsav to understand it, because if you read the Torah Shebechsav alone, as we know, it really makes no sense. It's like really a closed book. It's amazing that, you know, if you go to a hotel room and you open some of the drawers in some of these hotels, you'll always, they, they put a holy Bible in there, and sometimes, you know... If you ever open it up, the first part of it, not the second part of it, but the first part of it, it's a, it's a chumash with their translation, but it makes no sense. It's like, how do they even like read it? I mean, the stories, I guess, you could make some sense of, but like, what does it mean that you should put an ornament between your eyes, you should take for yourself a beautiful fruit on the first day of tabernacles? Like, what, what, you know, what is that? What's the fruit? What's the, what do you put between your eyes? What, where between your eyes? What? A jewel, diamonds, like what is it? There's no, it doesn't make sense. The Torah Shebech Sav really is, is just a closed book. You might as well just not even open it up without understanding it through the eyes of Chazal. Chazal explain, we have a Messiah from Mesha, from Har Sinai, had a darsh in the Torah, had to make Zerah Shavas, had to make, uh, uh, you know, Halach al-Meshmi Sinai's, you need certain uh, tools and instruments and equipment to understand the Torah. Without that, you can't understand the Torah. So the Tanchuma is saying that he gave us a Torah Shebechsav, which is Beremez. It's Sfunais, it's mysterious, hidden uh, concepts that we can only really decipher through the Torah Shebechsav. And he only gave the Torah Shabbat to Klai Yisrael. The Gayim have all the, the holy Bibles they want, but they don't have the Gemara. They don't have Shas. Chazal gave us the ability to open up the Chumash and understand what it really means. And, and then he goes and he speaks about how, uh, how important it is for us to learn Torah and Torah Shabbat and not just to learn it casually, but to be miagea in it, to toil over it, to schwitz over it, to really try to unearth the, the, the lumdus in it. And he keeps going about how HaKadosh Baruch and this is a very famous part of the Medrash Tanchuma, it's something that's Gedai to remember this Tanchuma, because there's a lot of drushas surrounding this specific Tanchuma. He says that when HaKadosh Baruch Hu lifted up the mountain, and covered it over Klai Yisrael's head by Harsinai, by Mount even though, as Tysus asks there in Mesecha Shabbos, why did he have to do that? Why did he have to force us to accept the Torah that we already eagerly accepted with the words Nasev and Ishma? So Tysus answers what he answers that, well, maybe when they saw the big fire, Maybe they would get cold feet and they would want to not do it, but now that um, we had the, the Torah over, the, the mountain over our heads, so Mamela, we're going to accept it even after the fire, even after we get scared witless by the process of Mount Torah, we'll still accept it regardless. The Tanchuma says a different shot than Taisa. The Tanchuma says that no, 
the Kabbalah of Nasa Venishma was the Kabbalah of Torah Shabbat We accepted eagerly the Torah Shabbat That's easy, that's Geschmack. It's nice to learn Chumash. But HaKadosh Baruch Hu took it a step further and covered our heads, coerced us to take the Torah. That's the Torah Shabbat Because that's very difficult to understand and it's difficult to sit and learn, as we know. It's easy to be Maber Sedra, it's easy to hear a Shmuz, to, to understand Chumash, but to sit in Harav uh, over a Gitten and try to understand the Machlekes, Rashi, and Taisus, and the Rishainim, and the Achreinim, and try to fit this whole puzzle together is difficult. Not just you find it difficult, everybody finds it difficult. The Tanchuma found it difficult, Klai Yisrael found it difficult. for the And he continues to go on and on in the end. He speaks about the milos of yeshivas, that how great is it that we have yeshivas that Hakadosh Baruch Hu gave to Klal Yisrael uh, two yeshivas. He's talking about during the time of the Chorban Bayis Rishon, there was something called the Cherish and the Masker, but there were two yeshivas, and these yeshivas, he said, never, uh, never ended. They never saw Shevi, Vleishmad, Vleishol, whatever happened to Klal Yisrael throughout history, we always somehow were able to maintain our yeshivas. And Yavan didn't have Shlita over our yeshivas. Edom didn't have Shlita over yeshivas. And he keeps going and going, describing the greatness of Teresh Shav, Teresh and the beauty of yeshivas. And this isn't the first time. It wasn't this week when I was preparing the Shmuz that I had this kasha. I had this kasha for years, maybe since I was your age, to try to understand what in the world is the Medrash Tanchuma saying all of this in Parshas Nayach. I understand if he put it in Parshas Yisrael. Maybe even put it in, in the beginning of Bereshas, Bishvil Yisrael, Bishvil Tarash Nikra and then give us how important it is to learn Taira. What in the world does Taira have to do with Parshas Nayach? This is a problem that I've been plagued by for many, many years. And this year, Bezer Hashem, I think I might have stumbled upon a possible answer. If you look later in the parsha, after the Mabel was over, in Parakhas Pasak Chaf Bez, the Torah says, Yaim Valaila Layishbaisu, that the Mabel was over, and now HaKadosh Baruch Hu makes a pledge to the universe, to, to the world, that I will never again stop the process of Yom Belayla. They will never stop anymore. So Rashi says, what does that mean? Oh, we must derive from there, Mechlal Sheshavzu Kol Yimais HaMabal. HaKadosh Baruch Hu is telling us after the Mabal, okay, no more stopping of the day and night. It must be that it did stop during the Mabal. Says Rashi, the Mazalas, all of the heavenly constellations didn't serve, they just sort of stopped. And it wasn't clear anymore when it was day and when it was night. We had no idea. I don't know if it stopped, you know, if the brakes were put on it by day or the brakes were put on it by night, but there were brakes put on the world. I, I would tend to say that it was probably by day because we know that Nayak had a had a skylight and he had a tzayar, a window, uh, or a stone, whichever pshat and rashi you like, but there must be some light that came into the Teva. I presume that it probably stopped by day, but whatever it was, there was it was stopped at one point. There was no day and night. It wasn't like we had 12 hours of day and 12 hours of night, but rather everything just stopped in place as soon as the mabul began. Now that's all good and well, but then there's a problem with saying this because if you look in the Medrash Tanchuma and it's the Medrash Tanchuma at the end of the second parak of the Medrash Tanchuma meaning it's right before we get to this essay about Tarash Shabbat and Tarash Shabbat listen to what the Medrash Tanchuma says and you're going to ask a question on your own the Medrash Tanchuma was describing what the the really difficult job that Nayach had with his sons on the table. Every single min, and there were thousands, maybe millions of minim on the boat. 
Hechilam Nayach Mashalamad. Nayach fed the exact diet for each and every animal that they expected, that they were normally eating. So, you know, for dogs, he would have Purina puppy chow. And for cats, he would have Purina cat chow, I guess. And, uh, and then for birds, he would have Hearts Mountain bird food. And then for, uh, you know, if, a bird, if an animal ate meat, give him, uh, give him a steak. And if an animal ate, uh, ate fish, you got to give it fish. And if an animal ate uh, uh, challah, you give him challah. It knew, ex- Nayahu Banav had to know the exact diet of every single animal, and it fed each animal. You can imagine the warehouse that he had to have on this boat. And I hope it was clearly marked. They knew exactly where, like an Amazon warehouse, to know exactly where to get each thing that was needed for every, every animal. It was, a, it was, a, it was a, a nightmare, a logistical nightmare, to be able to feed the, the ants and the, and the locusts and the hippopotamus and the, and the zebra and to know all of their diets and to feed each of them exactly what they needed. But not only that, says the Medrash Tanchuma, you had to know also the time of day that each animal ate. Not all animals eat at the same time. Some animals like eating at 7 o'clock in the morning. Some animals like eating at 9.30 in the morning. Some animals like eating at 4 o'clock in the afternoon. Some like eating in the first third of the night, he says. And some like eating in the middle of the night. And some like eating when they wake up in the morning, when the rooster is crowing, that's when they like to eat. And Nayak had to not only know what each animal wanted to eat, but the exact time that each animal needed to eat and was accustomed to eating. He was Mamish, the perfect waiter and the perfect caterer that he, Mamish, attended to every single nuance and detail that every animal required. Now, I guess, in theory, he could have just said, you know, one size fits all, feed everybody the same stuff at the same time, and, you know, and he'll be yaitze, but Nayach, for some reason, didn't do it that way. Nayach wanted to do everything exactly in the right way to make all of the animals on the boat feel as comfortable and as in their own habitat as possible. Amar Rabbi Seno, and this is like sort of the end of that keta, that, that piece in the Tanchuma, Yod Beis Chaydesh Bateva, for the 12 months that they stayed on this teva, Loi Ra'ashina, they didn't see sleep, Loi Bayayim Veloi Balayla, they didn't rest, not by day and not by night, Shoya Isaac Vizan Habriya Shi'imai, because he was busy feeding and being metapel with the Briais, with all of these creatures that was with him on this boat, he was busy. Day and night, they were constantly preoccupied, Nayahu Banov, with providing each and every min, depending, it doesn't matter whether it's the biggest min, whether it's the most chashav min, or the smallest, scariest, it doesn't matter. Nayach was the most perfect host on, during the 12 months on this boat. Now, that's the way that Tanchuma ends. And then it goes into the shtickle about the Maila of Tereh Shavachsav and Tereh Shavachsav. Now, my kasha on this Tanchuma is that I thought that Rashi taught us, based on a chazal, that that during the Mabal, there was no day and there was no night. There was no day and night. I don't know whether it's day or night. They didn't have clocks. They didn't have watches, they didn't have iPhones, they didn't have uh, atomic uh, clocks to be able to know exactly when it was. So imagine if we're in a room and the, and the sun never sets, and we don't have a clock on the wall, we're just stuck, all of us are stuck in this room for a year, but we have no idea. It's, it's light outside, but we, the light is, let's say, the whole de- the, there are places in the world that actually have like an entire 24-hour period of just day or just night. But they have clocks, they have watches, they know. And by the way, there it's very hard to know halachically when to daven and when to start Shabbos. It's a very big, it's a very big nidan in Paiskim, and there was a big problem during, during the war 
about when they when Mir Yeshiva went to Japan and they went to China, which is like all the way in the far east, and uh, they didn't know exactly when to make Shabbos. When Yom Kippur, they were confused. Like, do you keep one day of Yom Kippur? Two? They didn't know exactly how to even calculate time because it was so it was such a new phenomenon. Uh, with the international dateline, and the Chazanish sent a telegram famously telling them exactly what to do, but there are other Paiskin that argued with the Chazanish. But there are places that have a much different day and night system. But if we have pure day 24 hours a day, or, or pure night 24 hours a day, so then how in the world, if you don't have a clock, how do you know when it's day and when it's night? So you say, well, who cares? But I care, because the Tanchuma says that Nayak knew when it was day and when it was night because he, he fed the animals each in their appropriate time. So he had to keep time somehow. He had to know when the alligator needs to be fed and when, the, uh, and when the, the, this uh, stork needs to be fed and when this uh, spider needs to be fed. And some eat in the day and some eat at night. So how would he... And clearly he knew that because the Medrash Tanchum is telling us that he was very in tune and in touch with all of the diets and all of the times that the animals needed to eat. How did he know that if there was no Yaim and there was no Laila? If there was like... If, like Rashi says, like Nikar ben Yaimu ben Laila, so then how do you keep time when there's no day and there's no night? I understand if you have a day and a night, you sort of can wing it because you know, okay... Uh, you know, you, you use your brain and you say, well, it just turned Shkia, the sun just set, and now it uh, seems to be about two hours after Shkia, so I know now it's time to feed this animal. Fine. But if there's no day and there's no night, how do you do that? That's my kasha on the Tanchuma based on the Rashi of Yaim Yishbaisu. Now, This is not the only time in human history that there would be such a problem of figuring out when is day and when is night. When, it, when you don't have the comfort and the luxury of having an actual light and darkness to, to, to show the way. When else did this happen in human history? When else did somebody experience the lack of sun and darkness to be able to differentiate between day and night so the Medrash, and this is the Medrash in Tehillim. There's a special Medrash, as I said before. It's called Medrash Tehillim. It's also called Medrash Shaykhartayv. Same thing, just different names. And it's a beautiful Medrash based on the Psukim of Tehillim, based on the Prakim of Tehillim that David Amalek wrote. And this is found, if you want to look it up yourself, it's in Perak Yotes. It's in the, the 19th capital of Tehillim. On the Pasuk of Yaim Liyaim Yabiyaimer Vlaylail Chavidas, like we say every Shabbos morning, Pesukah de Zimra. So this is the Medrash on that Pasuk. Uminayin Hayyadeim Meishem Masayayim Masaylaila. Meishem Rabbeinu went up to Shamayim for forty days and forty nights, and the Pasuk says that he was there for forty days and forty nights. So the Medrash is bothered by how exactly did Meishem Rabbeinu know? when it was day and when it was night, because the Medrash marshals a few sources, one in Pasuk and Daniel, and a Pasuk and elsewhere, that in Shamayim, there's no darkness. It's only light. When you go up to Shamayim, it's never going to be dark. It's always happiness. It's always light. It's always brightness. By HaKadosh Baruch Hu, there's never any darkness. And before the Rabbi Yishlam, it's always light. So if it's always light and Meishu Rabbeinu goes up there and it's 40 days and 40 nights of light, when did Meishu Rabbeinu know? How did Meishu Rabbeinu know to discern between darkness and, and light, between day and night? How did he know? Now you're going to say, well, why did he have to know? I don't know, but maybe he wanted to daven, his davening in the right time. Maybe he wanted to put on his fill-in. Maybe he wanted to... Uh, I don't know, he wants to know when Shabbos is, when Yantav is. He, but Jews need to know time. We're very bound by time. So how did Meshach Rabbeinu know when it was day and when it was night? If he didn't have the, 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 the darkness leading the way and then the sun rising in the morning, how did he know? It's always light outside. So how do you know when it's night? Very similar question to what we're asking about the Teva. And listen to what the answer of the Medrash is. 
When HaKadosh Baruch Hu taught Meshach Rabbeinu Torah, Torah Shebechsav, when they were learning together Chumash, when they were learning together Navi, when they were learning together Ksuvim, when Meshach Rabbeinu was being taught by the Rabbeinu Shalom Torah Shebechsav, Yehidei Ashehu Yaim, he knew that it was day, because day is Shayach to Torah Shebechsav. And when Meshach Rabbeinu was being taught by the Rabbeinu Shalom Mishnah, which is really a word that means not just Mishnayis, but it means Gemara, it means Medrash, it means Torah Shabbat Peh, when Meshach Rabbeinu was being taught by the Rabbeinu Shalom Torah Shabbat Peh, then he knew that what? Yehidea Shehulayla. He knew that it was night, because night is a time for Torah Shabbat Peh. This isn't, by the way, just a Medrash. This is actually brought Lahalacha, this Medrash. This message is brought in the Paiskim about the importance of knowing when to learn what. So, for example, that's why Paiskim say it's better not to learn Torah Shabbat at night. Night is a time primarily to learn Torah Shabbat If you want to be Mabri Sedra at night, if you're learning with, let's say, Mepharshim, you're learning it with, uh, with Targum and with Rashi and with Ramban, so then that's already considered like Torah because you're learning the whole Mahos of the Torah Shabbat through the Torah Shabbat but if you're just, let's say, being Mavri said, you're just reading the Psukim, Bereshit's Baralikim, Paiskim say it's better not to sit, do that at, at night. And that's why, by the way, many people don't like saying Tehillim at night. Tehillim, a lot of people don't say at night. A lot of yeshivas, I mean, sometimes we said, like we said it last night, and we, because, you know, if there's an ace sara, so you make an exception. But, um, but in general, it's better not to say Tehillim at night, because it's Harish Vachsav. Teresh Peh is really designed primarily at night. And if you're wondering, hey, how come we have first Seder and we're learning Gemara, maybe we should be learning Chumash, it's a good kasha. But the Paiskim say that Teresh Peh really is, could also be learned by day. Teresh Peh. But it's primarily about the Teresh Vachsav that that really is confined to night. But Teresh Peh really, the main time might be night, but it's, it's also learned by day, and that's not a problem at all. I know people are machmir, but, uh, but it's, it's, it, you don't have to be. You can actually learn Gemara by day. So that's the Medrash. Fascinating Medrash. So based on this Medrash, what I wanted to say is that perhaps we can understand why the Tanchuma brings, right after that shtickle that he said about how every one of the animals were fed in their right time, and then you have to scratch in and say, wait a minute, there was no time. There was no day and there was no night. Nayak was like Maishra Rabbeinu on Harsina. He didn't know when it was day and when. How did he know? Where, where was the clock? What was the clock on the Teva? Zak to Medrash, you have to understand something. HaKadosh Baruch Hu gave us a Torah. He gave us a Torah Shebech Sav. And then he gave us a Torah Shebech Peh. And the Lashon of the Tanchuma is that it's important for a person to know that he has to learn Taira Yaiman Valaila. He brings the Pasuk in Librisi Yaiman Valaila, Samti, that you have to learn Taira Shabapeh at night, and then you have to learn it more during the day, and you have to learn Taira Shabbat day and night, you have to keep on steiging. And then he says about the Yeshivas, you know why? So, what I'd like to submit today is that the Teva is not what you think it is. The Teva was not a boat with animals sticking their heads out of the windows like we were brought up to believe it was. That's the childish conception of what the Teva was, and it's something that, as children, it's understandable why we were taught that and why we were fed that diet of information because they wanted to make a geschmack for us, but that's a wrong, and it's a misconception of what the Teva is. The Teva was nothing other than the first yeshiva in the world. It was a place that was pure ruchni. And that's why HaKadosh Baruch Hu gave us exact dimensions for the Teva. And that's why the Rabbani Shalom says that you can't have Tashma Shamita on the Teva. And that's why the, the lions and the tigers and everybody had to be separated on the Teva. And that's why everything that was done on the Teva was Alpiruach HaKadosh, was the Shechina that was being Medaber to Nayach Ubanov, telling them exactly what needs to be done on the Teva. And before the animals came on the Teva, HaKadosh Baruch Hu's Mitzvah and Nayach, take from Mikal Behema Tahira. 
And Rashi jumps on this passing and says, what do you mean Taira? Taira, how do you know what animal, how does Nayak know what animals are clean and not clean? That you have to wait for Parashat Shmini for. Mikan, Shalomad, Nayak, Taira. Nayak was a big Talmud Chacham. And we know that Nayak learned Taira and he taught Taira to his sons to shame and to Cham and to Yafes and shame became the greatest Rosh Yeshiva in the world after the Mabal. He was the one that started Yeshiva's Shem Ve'ever. The base Medrash of Shem Ve'ever were none other than Yaakov Avinu and Yosef HaTzadik learned. This place was a holy place. This Teva was not a place for, for, for animals. This place was a base Medrash of Kedusha Vitara was Yeshiva. And on this Teva was... Tyre was being learned and if you ask me well how do you prove that prove that Tyre was being learned on the tape I will prove it to you because Ruch Chaim teaches us in the Nefesh Achaim that he says and I'm telling you something that if there wouldn't be Tyre learned in the world for even a split second the world would explode he says the world would, can, would cease to exist if Tyroff, there is a place in the whole, if let's say for five minutes or for one minute in this world, there wouldn't be Tyra being learned in Eretz Yisrael, Chasvishalom, and in America, and in Argentina, and in Russia, and in Poland, and in, and in Germany, and in England. If there was, for some reason, everybody was tumbling about something in the world except for Tyra, there wasn't a single person learning Tyra, he says the world would stop. The world would not exist. There would be no existence of the world because the world is only here for Tyra, and Tyra needs to be learned, Yaim Valayla, and if it's not Rahmanul Islam, then the whole world goes kaboom. And this didn't start from Kabbalah Satyra, he says it already started from Adma Rishain. Adma Rishain was sitting, he wasn't in the, you know, playing games with a serpent and apples. Adma Rishain was sitting in Ganeid and he was schwitzing over at Isfis. And then Adam and his children and his grandchildren until Nayach continued this cycle of learning because they had to to keep the world going. They learned Tayr Shabbat Sav and they learned Tayr Shabbat Peh. Nayach on the boat was the only person in the world, to him and his family, that could have kept the world going, not by virtue of the fact that they were the sole survivors that were alive. That's not enough. You have to learn in order to keep the world going. There had to be Tyra being learned continually on this boat, Yaiman Balayla. There was a base medrash of the Teva, not just that it, there was a base medrash on the boat. It was a base medrash. Everything happening in the Teva was a base medrash. And there was Ruach HaKadosh on the boat. And the Ruach HaKadosh enabled Nayak to know, okay, now it's time to learn Tarish about pets, time to pull out the Gemara and start learning Tarish about pets, learn a Gittin together with the sons. And then when it was suddenly day, now they had Racha Kaidish, now it's no longer the time to learn Gemara, now it's time to learn Chumash. And it was night again, it was time to learn Gemara again. The cycle of day and night was driven by the Torah that was being learned on the boat. Yes, they all set to feed the animals, and yes, they had to feed themselves. And yes, they had to take care of Tzrachim, just like we have to take care of Tzrachim. But there was continual Tyra being learned on this Teva, Yaiman Valayla. And that Tyra kept the world going much more than the physical Teva did. And after the Teva landed, Shem gets out of the boat and starts his yeshiva to continue this Teva, continue the base Medrash. Somebody pointed out to me that the word Teva itself is the letters of Beis Hashem. Could have called it a Svina, an Ainiya. There are many words to call a boat in, in Tyra. Teva is not a Teva. Teva is not a boat. Teva is the Beis Hashem. It's a house of Hashem. It's a Beis Medrash. It's a Beis Aknesis. It's a place that tremendous Ruchnius was taking place on this boat. And so that's why the Medrash Tanchuma says that had it Nayach, the unspoken question, the elephant in the room, if you will, how did Nayach know when it was day and when it was night? Ah, that we have to start giving a shmooze about Tyra. Because if you don't know that, the answer to that question, you're not holding in the emestic kite of Tyra Shabbat Sav and Tyra Shabbat Peh. You're not eating and breathing and sleeping Tyra Shabbat Sav and Tyra Shabbat Peh if you have that kasha. 
Nayach was not Nayach, a guy that was busy with alligators. Nayach was a tzaddik, he was a tamim, he was a tamad chacham muvuk. Him and his sons were Isaac Bateri Yem Valayla. And that was what gave them the understanding at night, by day, and that's what guided their every step and their knowledge of when to feed the animals. It was all based and it was all derived from the Kedusha Satayr, from the yeshiva, like the Tanchuma ends. The beauty of yeshivas. This was a yeshiva. This teva was nothing else. We have to stop looking at it like a place that had animals on it and start looking at it as a makam kaddish, as an oilam katan, as the first yeshiva in the world. And look at what happened from this yeshiva. We had shame, and then shame gave over his teva to Yaakov Avinu, and Yaakov Avinu gave it over to his sons, and we have a Kal Yisrael today. All from the teva. If you think this is a far-fetched pshat, I want to tell you something, that if you look in the Sifsei Chachamim on the Rashi of Yemel Eloh and I only saw this, and I promise, after, I, after this whole pshat came to me, I think the Sifsei Chachamim at the end pretty much says exactly what I said. You have to look at it inside. He asked this question that I had about how did they know when it was day and how did they know it was night? He didn't ask it about the, feeding the animal. He said, in general, you have to know when it's day and when it's night. How did they know? So he said, well, probably they had light coming through the sky. And then they had maybe, he said, like a, I think what he means is like a sundial and they were able, somehow the sunlight 24 hours a day would be able to show them by a sundial. Or he said that he brings this medrash I was like so happy and well, you get disappointed though. I thought it was my fetish and then I, I danced because or, or in my head I was dancing that Baruch Hashem I was mechavin to the he brings this medrash in Shecher Taiv and tell him that says that Meshra Abenu had the same problem he doesn't go through the whole Tereshvah but he ends with that and then he says Hashem Yarenai HaKadosh Baruch should illuminate my eyes and I think this is the pshat that he meant. I think this is what the Sitzachamah meant. That the Torah itself, the illumination of our eyes through the Torah, is what enabled Nayach Ubanov to know on the table what's Yaim and what's Laila. The Mepharshim, a lot of the Mepharshim, the contemporary Svarim, speak about the Teva exactly as I spoke about it as a yeshiva. And they describe not just the Teva as a yeshiva, but that the yeshivas that we have today are our Teva. What does that mean? You see, I don't like speaking like a rabbi or like a preacher that like says how terrible the world is and you know we're living in a mabel, but the truth is that we are. And it's a very subtle mabel. It's not a mabel that, you know, we walk out the door and we see hashchasa, we see, uh, you know, craziness, but, but we do in a way. If you're looking for it, we do. Um, it's an interesting thing. Like, uh, before Yantif, we had, a, we had an attempted burglary in my house. And uh, it was very scary. Like, my daughter happened to be up, and she saw a guy, like, passing by the front of the house. And then on the camera, she saw that, you know, he was trying to open the front door of my house. And we called the cops. And 911 really wasn't so impressed. Like, we were screaming on the phone, there's somebody breaking into our house. And they said, just calm down. I said, calm down. When should I not be, when, when should I be uptight if not now? I think now's a good time to be uptight. Not calm down, it's okay. Just ch- relax. Does the guy have a gun? I said, I don't know, I didn't frisk him. He's outside of my, of my house. He wants to open the door. Can you please just send a, a, a patrol officer to come and check it out at least? Please, pretty please. Okay, relax. 20 minutes later, I mean, we, we all would have been, you know, been done if not for Ashkach Hashem. But, you know, 20 minutes later, the police officer, they don't even come with sirens. They just like, you know, they don't want to waste the electricity, I guess. They just pull up in front of the house and, uh, and they, uh, you know, very nonchalantly what happened. Like, they're, they're not, I'm scared. They're not scared. So, anyway, then the next day, officers came to take a report. 
those officers were a little bit more, you know, they, they were a little bit more involved with the case than the, the ones at night. And they knew exactly who it was that was trying to. They, they, pulled, out, they pulled out their phone and they, they uh, showed me a picture, mamish, of the guy that tried to break into my house. I, I saw, because I, I saw myself, I saw him, I woke up, my daughter woke me, and I saw him like mamish passing by my kitchen window, and I saw him like a, four feet away from me. Like, I saw him clearly, and I identified, yeah, that's the guy. I said, oh, yeah, we know him. I said, we know him. Why is he breaking into people's houses? Well, a long story. I said, well, I have time. You know, he's, ah, you know, he's, uh, he's a homeless guy, he's harmless. I said, well, I, you know, I really would rather people not trying to get into my home. Can we try, like, arresting, well, you know, de Blasio? I said, like, all right, anyway, the next night, and then I call Shimrim, the Jewish guys. I figure, okay, you know, it's like Atzala. The Fidney can't do the job, but the Yidden could get the job done. So they come, and, and then the next night, I get a call from Shimrim that we have the guy come to Main Street to identify him. So I come to Main Street, and the, uh, this guy was there. He was still wearing the same clothes that he was when he tried to break into my house. And uh, he looked the same. And, uh, and there was another guy, like, in front of me online waiting to identify the same. They called him and they called me. So I said to... I said, and then there were a lot of cops there surrounding him also. So I said to this other Yid, I said, what, you know, why are you, you know, interested in, in, in pressing charges? He said, well, I was away for Shabbos. And then, uh, you know, my, with my family, we came back to our apartment... And, uh, and I heard something in my bedroom. I thought one of my kids you know, ran in and it was playing on the bed. I was like, go into my bedroom, and this guy's sleeping in my bed. He's like getting up, washing Negovasser in my bedroom. So I said, that's a lot worse than what happened to me. You know, he, he didn't get into my house. He went, so anyway, and then the cops came over. Okay, fellows, you want to press charges? So I, I said, after you, you know, let this guy do it first. So he says, yeah, you know, I said, well, we don't, I don't know if I want to press charges criminally. Can he be sent to a, a hospital? He said, he just came out of a hospital. That's not going to, they, they released him. He says, all right, so I guess I'll press charges to have him arrested. He said, okay, that's fine. But de Blasio says that, uh, you know, that we have to catch people and release them. It's called catch and release. You basically um, catch the criminal you write up a report, but before the ink is dried on the report, you release him. Release him. You have to send him free. They don't want to fill the prisons, Chasrashon, with people, you know. So they, uh, so they, they let them go. So I said, so, so, so like they basically talked me out of filing. You know, it's not, it's not worth the effort because they're coming out anyway. So, and by the way, there was a, a Talmud yeshiva who was in, and it's important to know, he's here, I don't want to say who it is, but Talman Yeshiva was, was in a Walgreens on, uh, not far from here, and he, uh, and he was there with a friend, his friend was going in another aisle, and um, it's near Aaron's, very, um, we go there all the time, my family goes there all the time, late at night, uh, you know, develop pictures or whatever, they have a picture, photograph developing place there and whatever, and he was there, and three people came over to him and they said we have a gun and give us your wallet give us your phone and uh, they, they beat him up they punched him in the head and guy uh, in yeshiva one of our chaburo two nights ago three nights ago and again he, the police came and they said to him pretty much the same there's no point even in, in, in arresting these guys because uh, you know because we're going to have to release him right away to Blasio Meaning that the world that we're living in is literally a mabel. It's literally a, cham, a place of Hamas. It's a place of crime. And there's no deterrence. There's no stopping criminals. The fact that there aren't people right now breaking through the window is a pella because there's nothing stopping them. There's nothing stopping us from being able to have a normal life except the Rabbi Nisham. That's Mamash, the only, we have Ashkocha, we have Siat Dishmaya, we have Akadosh Baruch and that's it. There's no police, and there's no security, and there's no safety. We're living Mamash in Adar HaMabal. And that's just about the Chamas part of it, and that's part, you know, but there's also Avaydah Zara, and there's Minos, there's Apikorsus, and then there is uh, Arayas Kiyadua, there's no shortage of, uh, of Pritzos, 
and terrible things going on out there. Unfortunately, out there became in here because we all have a smartphone, unfortunately, in our pockets, or most of us do, and we have all of, the, all of those aforementioned problems right in our pockets. It's not even anymore outside. But there is one place in the world, there is one teva that we do have that we're able to enter and find safety and find security and find serenity and find emes. And that is the base Medrash. The one place that we have is the yeshiva and the base Medrash. That is our teva today. This is something that the Pachid Yitzchak speaks about. It's something that the Argadalyo speaks about in this week's parasha. And pretty much everybody speaks about that. That a base Medrash, a shul, these are the places that we can escape from the torrential mabel that surrounds us every day. The pritzos and the avaydezara, the minos, the sheker, the chamas, the gazlanos, all of that, all of the threats that we have that are more imminent than we can ever imagine. We don't understand how dangerous it is right now. I didn't understand it before uh, that happened to me. I thought, yeah, you have cops, you have 911, you have shimrim, you have people that are out there, they're protecting the neighborhoods, and then you realize that you don't have anything. There's nothing. It's complete chaos. It's Hamas. It's, it's anarchy. It's Andrelamusia, as Rashi says. There's just complete FK. There's nothing, there's nothing in this world if you're trying to anchor yourself to Kedusha, to Tara, to Emes, to safety, to security, to serenity. There's only one place, and it's really the only place that there ever was. And that's the Teva. And the Teva, the Beis Hashem, is our Yeshiva. And so, on the first week of the, the new Zman, and Baruch Hashem, we're all here, and Baruch Hashem, we're going to have a beautiful Zman together, and it's going to be a long winter Zman with two others, not just one. We got a bonus round. We have a long Zman. And that's a good thing, because it means that we're able to immerse ourselves in the base Medrash, surround ourselves with Kedusha, with Tyre, with, with friends that are good friends for us, with Rabbeim that love us and care for us, with Tyra that's our lifeblood or should be, the Tyra that we learn at night, the night Seder that we keep, don't let night Seder fall. I know it's hard, and as the semester continues, it's going to get harder. But don't make excuses. Don't allow that to be... Obviously, if you have lab, you have to go to lab. But if you don't have lab, don't look at the guys that have to go to lab and say, well, if they don't have to go to Night Seder, I don't have to go to Night Seder. That's ridiculous. It's nothing to do with you. If you want to you be a doctor, go and go to lab. If you're, if you're not majoring in, in, in pre-med or whatever, then, then come to the base medrash. I used to have a Rebbe, and, and you have to understand the context that he said this in, because it sounds a little funny, you have to maybe know your Rebbe, the Rebbe that said it, but it stuck with me. He said, and you have to, please don't misquote this. He says that in the morning, first Seder, you're learning Gemara, and you understand the Gemara, and you have a Chavrusa, and you're going through the Gemara slowly, and then the Rashis, and the Taisis, and then the Rambam. You fall in love with the Gemara in the morning. That, that's what you should be doing in a perfect world. He says, and at night, by night Seder, you have an affair with the Gemara. You fall in love in the morning, but at night you have an affair with the Gemara. What does that mean? It sounds prost. No, what he means is that the deepening of the relationship, of the love, of the avasatira that you're going to have, it's not enough by morning Seder. Don't think, well, I'm learning morning Seder, so I don't need a night Seder. I did my, my, my three hours in the morning, and I'm done. Yeah, but that's like saying, okay, I had, a, I had a great date with a girl, but I don't want to go out again. Why not? Well, it was a good day. Like, why do I have to go further? It was good. What do you mean? You want, what does that mean? If you want to deepen the relationship, you have to go on another date. And the best date to have is a night seder with a Gemara. Because that's when you deepen the relationship. When it's, it's not bright outside, it's nice and dark, and, and you feel... Relax. The whole world is calm now. There's nothing. There's no one running around and, and tumult and classes and this and that. You're just able to focus single-mindedly on the Gemara and fall in love with the Gemara. 
That's night seder. If you wonder, what's night seder? Night seder is the time that you fall in love with the Gemara. In the morning, you start the relationship. The love is starting to percolate. But at night, at night, you, 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 you become different. You become personally involved with the Gemara. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, then that means you haven't learned night seder properly. And you haven't learned aftermire properly. Because the more you do it, even if you hate learning Gemara, and I don't like using that word, but if people come to me day and night, I don't like Gemara, can I do this instead? Can I do that instead? I understand it's not easy to break into Gemara. It's hard. And it seems like Chinese at first. But the more that you understand it, and the more that you, you hop the ebb and flow, and you get the words down, you understand how Gemara works, and how it operates, and how the Rishonim speak, and how the Achreinim have, a, have their role to play, and how you have a role to play in understanding all of that, the more that you get into it, the more you will love it. And there's no greater love in the world than Abbas HaTayra. There's no more deeper love, but the love needs to simmer, and it needs to percolate, and it needs to marinate. And that all takes place by night, like the Tanchuma says. By day you learn, you learn basic things, but at night the Tereshabal pass to seep into your mayach. That's what the Teva is all about. That's what Yeshiva is all about. And we have a long zman to, to fall in love with our Gemaras. And we have a longer zman at night to be able to have an affair with our Gemaras and to be able to deepen the relationship in a way that you've never felt it before, perhaps. That's the beauty of the Teva. The Teva is a place that we can escape. I had an uncle who was nifter last year during COVID, and he was very chashev. He was a tzaddik, and he was my father's oldest brother, he went through a lot in his life, and he was a, a rav in many different communities. And, uh, but he used to tell me the following thing. He says, you know, you go into a shul, or you go into a base medrash, and you always see exit signs. Like you see in the back, there's always like over the doors, there's always exit signs. And they have that, of course, in every shul. You have to, by, by code, by law, you have to have exit signs. So that if there's a fire, an emergency you know where to lead the people out of. So there's a, in the back door of the shul, the front door of the shul, the chulet. So my uncle used to tell me a secret. He said, he says, by code you have to have them inside. But you know where they really should be? The exit signs should all be on the outside of the base medrash. They should be on the outside of the shul doors. Because if you understand what a base medrash really is, it's an escape, it's an exit from the world. You should be running in from the outside of the base medrash into the base medrash as if, you, as if the world is on fire, because it is. And the only place that you're safe is the teva, which is the base medrash. That's what the yeshiva is. And that's what the base medrash is. And that's what the teva was. And when we go into the base medrash, we're actually entering into the teva of Nayach. And Nayach at, at night, he was steigen with Tarash Vapeh. And by day he was staying with Tarash Valpan, Tarash Bechsab. It was a love affair on this boat. When I was a kid, there was a, just, I probably shouldn't say this, but it's off script. There was a, a very popular TV show called The Love Boat. It was about a cruise ship that had, you know, all types of affairs, Lamineim. And that's the Tzad Atumah. But the Tzad Kedusha is, the table was a love boat. It was a love boat of loving Tyra, of loving the Rabbi Shalom of Kedusha Vitara, of being able to do the Ratzin Hashem through Liman Atayra. And that's what our Teva is. It's a love boat. It's the ability to find HaKadosh Baruch Hu, to find Abbas Hashem through Abbas Atayra, and to spend our days and our nights. I'm not saying you shouldn't be studying, and of course you have to always give that important caveat, and it is important that you have to take time to study and to do well in school, and to do your papers on time, and to get good marks on your midterms and on your finals and on the exams that you take. All of that is important. I know it's hard to, to multitask and to juggle all the responsibilities that you have at once and be the stipler at night. I know that. But I also know that it doesn't have every night, just because once in a while or maybe more than once in a while you have to study and do papers, that doesn't mean that every night you have to do papers. I mean... We found time on Tuesdays and Thursdays suddenly make a second Seder in Yeshiva. That was a time that was nobody ever thought, hey, we can make in Lander College for Men a second Seder Tuesday and Thursday. We did it. I don't know, you know, Rabbi Shreyer, Rabbi 
all the people, the wonderful people that were involved with, with making that happen. It's amazing. And we also know that we don't spend every night Seder, you know, burning the midnight oil, studying for tests and writing papers. A lot of times we take advantage of that, you know, freedom that we have to theoretically do that, and we use it for other things, to surf the net and to play video games and to, 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 to have bittel tayrash, listen. So let's take that time that we waste, not the time that we use wisely and, and properly, but the time that we waste. Let's make a Kabbalah blineder to run from our dorm rooms whenever we realize that I don't have to be here. Run as if the waters of the Mabo are licking at our feet and then go into the beauty of the Besmedrash, the warmth, the light, the coziness of a Besmedrash, the safety and security of the Besmedrash. That's where you want to be. Why would you want to be in the Mabal when you could be in the most beautiful place in the world and that's our Besmedrash? That's how you're going to steig. That's where we're going to be able to maximize our Avas Hashem, our Avas Atayra, who we are in life will be in no small measure determined by the amount of haravanya, the amount of amelas and yagiyah that we spend these years in yeshiva. Make no mistake about it. Don't think that, well, you know what, I'm busy now, but after I graduate, or when I'm married, or when I have the first grandchild, that's when I'm going to start to steig. It ain't going to happen. Trust me, it doesn't work that way. You have to fill up your gas tank with as much tire as you can today. Because when you graduate and you leave the Kaisley based Medrash, it's a whole new world. Yeah, maybe you'll find time, Mitzashem, but how much terror you understand, how well you can make a laning, how much ruchnius you have imbibed, how, much, how, how many skill sets you have acquired in learning, how many ideas, how much musr, how much machshava, how much halacha, all of those things are based on how much you are gaining in the Teva, now. And when you go out to the Mabal, you might have a little lifeboat with you, but you're not going to have the Teva anymore. Don't waste these years with Shtusim. College is not Shtusim. College is important. And doing well in college is important. Let's not make any mistake in what my intentions are. But I'm talking about beyond that. And we all know, and I know myself, that there's a lot of time that I waste and that I'm not doing all that I should, and that I'm not running to the base medrash. And as and I regret when I was young that I didn't spend as much time in the base I did, Baruch Hashem, spend a lot of time in the base but I could have spent much more time in the base medrash. And I regret every moment that I didn't spend in the base I don't want you to have to go through that. I want you to realize now, so that you know the rest of your life, that you were warned. I'm warning you here and now. I'm throwing down the gauntlet right here and telling you this so that you never, ever come back to me and say, Rebbe, why don't you tell me that it's a mabel out there? Why don't you tell me that I should have hopped around when I was in yeshiva to learn because I can't find enough time now anymore to learn? Guys come back to me, alumni come back to me, old Talmidim, and they say, Rebbe, I, I have a big problem. I'm, I, you know, I'm exhausted at the end of the day. I come home, I plop on the couch with my, with my smartphone, I just go to yeshiva world and buses nice and, you know, and, and the Lakewood scoop and, uh, and matzav, and that's what I do the whole night. My wife says, get out of here, go learn. I don't have any kaychas. I don't have cheshik to do it. Don't come, and this is a good guy. This is a guy that was t- one of the top guys in yeshiva. If you're not maximizing your time on the Teva now, then don't be shocked later that you don't have the cheshek to learn. The cheshek to learn comes from now. Make sure to spend as much time inside of the Teva now, being fed the diet that Nayach feeds us. Not the, not the puppy chow, but the diet of Teresh Peh, the diet of Teresh Bechsav, the diet of Kedusha, the diet of Kedusha's HaPeh, which Nayach was an expert in all the things that we can learn from Nayach, that's what we should be doing on our Teva. And if we're able to do this, I promise you that we'll be able to leave the Teva and start a new world after this, get married, have a family, and make everything beautiful, make everything glorious. But it all is totally on the experiences that we're allowing ourselves, not that other people are giving you. You're getting great experiences. You have all the things that you need here. You have a beautiful yeshiva, you have all the svarim in the world, great rabbeim, great chevra. You have food, 
delicious food that we serve, you have a Shabbos, you have a Yantif, everything. You have no excuses not to learn. If you're not learning, blame it on yourself. Blame it on yourself. And once you blame it on yourself, now take it the next step and say, I don't want to blame it on myself. I want to actually do something about it. I want to, I want to be a Tamar Chacham for crying out loud. I want to steig. I want to be able to at night talk a fall in love with a Gemara. Have an affair with a Gemara. That's what I want. You're talking to me. I'm, I'm, I'm drinking up what you're saying. I want to read you, if I may, an email that I just got mamish literally 30 seconds before I started the shmooz. An email, Lechweiter of Bamberger Shlita. All right, that I like. We have never met, but I have been listening to your shirim on Torah anytime for the past five plus months. I'm a typical Hasidish younger man living in Borough Park that manages to get an hour a day to sit and learn. He tells me where he works. I'm not going to give any information, any specifics about him, obviously, but he says he has time to listen to whatever he wants and watch whatever he wants at work. Bisyat Dishmaya, I am kind of hooked onto Tyra anytime and the other Tyra websites, but there are many times that, I unfor- that unfortunately I end up listening and watching other elements of entertainment. Until this week when I heard your schmooze from a few years ago on Parshas Nayach, stretching the limits. You can get that on Tyra anytime. I have no words to say, just you made, you made me cry. And I feel the Kabbalists that I took upon myself right after that shmuz were stronger than the ones I took upon myself on Yom Kippur. May the Rabbi Nishalom give you the strength and health to continue to inspire many more Yidin, your faithful listener, Talmud, and then he says his name. Not everybody has the luxury of hearing these shmuzin while they're still in yeshiva and they can actually do something about it. Sometimes people have to wait until after they're in the workforce and then listen to the shmuz and, and wish that they could be back in yeshiva to implement what we're talking about. Leman Hashem, I'm begging you. Don't just listen to what I'm saying. Put it into practice. Make Kabbalists now bigger than the Kabbalists that you made in Yom Kippur. It's the beginning of Isman. We have everything here that we ever could need. Don't Blame the system, don't blame your parents, don't blame a Rebbe in third grade. Start fresh. Boratius, Nayach, these are brand new parshas, brand new Zman. We just had a Rosh Chaydesh. Everything is in our hands if we allow it to be. Let's enter the Teva now and let's never leave that Teva. Let's be inspired by all of the Torah that we are beginning to, to take in. And let's fall in love with that Tyra and spend time and chazer. Even if you don't understand the Gemara right away so well, if you chazer it five times, ten times, until you know it by heart. Somebody once asked the guy, you know, the guy used to learn everything hundreds of times. So he says, somebody asked the guy, he said, how many times did I learn something four times and I still don't know it? Like he was shocked. He says, well, of course you don't know it. He says, well, how many times? He says, kol yamecha bilamayt v'chazar. Your entire life you have to keep chazering. The Vilna Gain was saying that. But you think by learning it a couple of times, you're, you're going to know it? You think you're greater than the Vilna Gain? Your whole life you have to chazer and chazer and chazer. But you know what? The more you chazer, the more you'll have a geschmack in it. There's an organization, I know I'm way over time, but there's an organization um, called the Harivna. It's based out of Muncie. You can Google it. They have uh, amazing videos. Of, it's a program you wouldn't think this would succeed, but it's successful beyond anyone's wildest imagination. They take guys, in, primarily in high school, but it doesn't have to be high school guys, who didn't have a geschmack in learning. And they, they made like programs and contests and different schedules that they chazer. So they'll learn Mesecha Sukkah, for instance, and they won't learn it once. They won't learn, they won't learn it four times. They'll learn it 20 times and 30 times. And you think, oh my gosh, these guys must be going out of their minds. They must be so bored. They know it already. No, no, no. They love it. Because something about Torah, the more you learn and the more you chazer, the more you fall in love with it. That's the way it works. So you're expecting, oh, I learned first Seder and I'm, I'm not into it. I don't like it. You know, I want to do something else first. I got literally this week four guys coming over to me telling me, the same Russian of what they don't like about learning first Seder. And I, I understand. I can relate. It's not easy. It's not very geschmack. I'd like to, I'd rather play video games probably. But what they're missing is that 
the more you learn and the more you chazer and chazer and chazer and then learn, go to Shear and try to pick up some ideas from Shear and then try to plug that back in the Gemara and then you go back to the base and you learn more and more, you're going to fall in love with the Gemara. You're not going to be able to be pulled away from your Gemara. You're going to have like a magnetic force field that you don't want to leave the Gemara. You're going to be taking the Gemara back to the dorm room and falling asleep with the Gemara with the Kasha and you're going to wake up with the Taritz. But you have to give it that time and that patience and that love and that nurturing and that relationship has to, has to be began, and then it has to be built upon, it has to be expressed, just like any other relationship. It's no different. All this happens in the base Medrash, and it happens to many people in the base Medrash. And Halavai, you know what I'm talking about. But in case you don't, in case you're a part of the silent majority that didn't yet taste what I'm talking about, don't feel bad for yourself. Accept this as a challenge to begin to experience this. And I promise you, this is a promise, that if you do this, and if you make your Iker Mokim, Iker, Iker Diras Kiva in the base Medrash, and not in your dorm room, and not in, in the streets, and, not, and you spend time with a Chevra in the base Medrash, I promise you that at the end of this man, you will be a different person. You will begin to see the traces of a Tamar Chacham. You will begin to find yourself madly in love with the Tairah Kedaisha. And you will begin to understand that the Teva is really the only place in the world that you can be and that you really want to be. Have a wonderful Shabbos.